Our sermon text this morning is Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 17. If you would turn there in your Bible uh, or in the bulletin. Um, some of you have probably read C.S. Lewis's um, book, The Screwtape Letters. If you don't know the premise of that book, it's a series of letters that Lewis has supposedly written from, from the perspective of uh, tempters or demons. Uh, so the book is confusing. You have to, it takes a couple of chapters to remember that the enemy is God and that the patient is the one that they're making sick. <laughs> so it, it can be a little confusing. Um, but in the, in the preface to this book, many of you will know this, uh, Lewis said this, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race, the human race, can fall about the devils. He means demons there, the devil and his demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves, the demons, are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same delight. I want to reframe this um, for us a little bit this morning. You see, many of us, we never give a thought to the work of the enemy. We know Christ has conquered sin and death and the devil, and, and so we don't pay much attention. Others of us seem to find a demon around every corner, under every rock, and the cause of every hangnail. This morning, I want to reframe it in this way. In the next few minutes, I hope to show us all the scripture says we must take the enemy seriously and know how to wrestle against him and at the same time rest in the power of God in this battle. So that's what we're going to try to do. So let's, let's today, and it will become clear why perhaps as we read, let's stand together and let's read this text. Uh, it'll be in the ESV if you have that in your Bible. If not, it should be in the ESV on your bulletin. From Ephesians 6, verse 10 through 17, say with me now the word of the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, is open before us. Even now, draw it out and do battle with our enemy and your enemy. And in this hour, wage war on the deceitful sins that entangle us, that we may be free and ready to serve you. In Christ we pray. Amen. Please be seated. 
If you've been a Christian for some time, or if you've just been around Christians long enough, you've probably heard of this idea of spiritual warfare. And often you'll hear someone describe a particularly difficult phase of their life, and then you can see it on their face. It's almost as if you're witnessing the realization as they discover it themselves, and they say, you know, I think I may be under some sort of spiritual attack here. Friends, let me be perfectly clear. You are under spiritual attack. It's not a question of if, it's a question of how and when and in what way and to what extent and what to do about it. Our enemy goes to and fro on the earth seeking whom he may devour. You are under spiritual attack. Bear with me. Lord of the Rings illustration coming up here. There's this great scene in the Lord of the Rings, the two towers, and I'm going to simplify it greatly, but there's this King Theoden, and he's been under an enchantment of his enemy. And Gandalf, the white wizard, has come into his palace, and he's released him from this enchantment, and Theoden, for the first time in, in some time, begins to recognize people again. He recognizes his own family. He remembers who he is. And here's the news The great news that he hears as soon as he's been released from this enchantment of his enemy. Your enemy's still coming. He said, there's a battle about to be waged on you. There's an army being raised up. And Gandalf and this other king that are in his presence, uh, Aragorn, they want him to get ready. They want him to get ready and raise his own army. And they try to convince Theoden that he needs to prepare to fight. But there's a problem. Theoden knows in his own strength and with the men he has left, he cannot win this fight. He looks at Aragorn and he says, Aragorn, listen, he says, I will not risk open war. And Aragorn's response is important for us this morning. He looks at Theoden and he says, Open war is upon you, whether you would risk it or not. Friends, those words are so meaningful as we look at this passage of Scripture. You are under spiritual attack. Open war is upon us, whether we would risk it or not. Now, with this reality before us this morning, let's look at three aspects of this passage. The enemy who rages, the battle we must engage, and the armor God provides. I'll say that again. The enemy who rages, the battle we must engage, and the armor God provides. The enemy who rages. Now, as I was preparing for the sermon, one of the things I usually do is I just write the passage in my own handwriting. Uh, And actually, it's really good if you're studying a passage of scripture, just write it out because you're going to see things that you missed. You're going to skip words and then find them. But Everything that you see in red there, I don't know how many of you can see that, is talking about our enemy. The devil, rulers, authorities, cosmic powers of this present darkness, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Guys, we have a real enemy, and this battle, I know I use this word a lot, it's cosmic. It's cosmic. If we could find a zipper, I thought about this this week, if we could just like find a zipper 
in this realm we think we live in and just sort of unzip it and see what was behind, we would be appalled at the war that is going on in the heavenly realms. We have a real enemy, the devil and his demons. You see, Paul says, he says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Now, obviously, we wrestle against flesh and blood, don't we? We don't wrestle primarily against flesh and blood. Our primary enemy, the one behind everything that we see going wrong in this world, is the devil and his demons. World structures, oppression, abortion, all of the things that we see in our world that we say, what is going on? There's something behind it. We need to realize that it's not just people who are misguided. It's not just bad decisions. It's not just bad upbringing. It's not uh, just a different worldview. There's a strategic plan of the enemy behind all the things that we see going on in our world. And Paul is just drilling it into us. He says, put on the armor of God so that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and authorities and cosmic powers of this present darkness. Now, in in some settings, I might have to try to make a case that this is true. I, I think most of us here this morning will just accept that we have an enemy. Scripture proclaims it for certain. He's a liar. The truth is not in him. He's crafty. He's clever. He's cunning. If you have in your mind either of these two mistakes of a cute little devil in a red jumpsuit with a pointy tail or a raging out-of-control being, listen, Our enemy is a cold, calculated, cunning killer. That's who this battle is against. And it's the battle that we must engage. This is point two if you're tracking with me. What is the nature of this battle? Look at what Paul says in verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against what? What does it say? The schemes of the devil. Cold, calculated, cunning killer. This is the nature of the battle that we find ourselves in as Christians. Cleverness is great, but when it's used for ill intent, it isn't. He always uses it for ill intent. Only to destroy, only to devour, only to disintegrate. Everything that God puts in place, the devil wants to put it out of place. This is the battle that we find ourselves in. And this morning, we, listen, we could talk about how spiritual attack may affect our health. We could, attack, we, could, we could talk about weather, we could talk about lots of things the scripture points to that the devil may have a part in. I want to look at two this morning as we talk about this battle, only these two, temptation and accusation. Now whether the devil is tempting you or whether he's accusing you, he's lying to you. Do you know that? If there's something that you want in this world that God forbids, the devil doesn't just tell you, that you can have it 
um, and it, it'll be bad for you, but you can still have it. He's going to say, you can have this, and it won't be that bad. The temptation is a lie. And when he accuses you, when he says, uh, God could never love you because of what you've done, he's also lying. So whether he's tempting you or whether he's accusing you, he is lying to you. You know, <laughs> I thought about the mechanism this week. What is the mechanism of the devil's work in the life of the believer? I'm not exactly sure. But I want you to think about your life like this, your heart. In our heart, we know that we still have some remaining sin. That until Christ comes again and we are made totally new, and we get a new body and a new heart all in, in its completion. Until our sanctification is complete, sin remains in us. Scripture is clear about this. We need to imagine that those particular sins are like little coals that have almost gone out. See, what the devil does is he comes and he takes the bellows and he just, he just puts a little oxygen on that coal. You see, we all have different kinds of coals, but that's the way he works. And you may think, well, how does he know? Can he read my mind? Can he know that lust or greed or pride or arrogance or self-deprecation, can, can he read my mind? Scripture doesn't say that the enemy can read our minds, but I don't think he has to, and here's why. Sarah and I have been married for 27 years. We know each other so well. She knows my weaknesses. I know her weaknesses. She knows the things that set me off. I know the things that set her off. I know her sin patterns. She knows my sin patterns. I've been studying this woman for so long, I can almost read her mind. Is anybody who's married or even just been in a good, close friendship for a very long time know what I'm talking about? I don't have any sort of telepathy or some sort of clairvoyance where I can actually read her mind, but I've studied my wife so much I can almost do it. Friends, the devil's got your number. He has a file on you. He has studied you so well, he knows which coals need a little oxygen at the right time. This is the, this is the battle that he is waging against us in temptation and accusation. And, and listen, the devil is just as happy with acceptable sins as he is scandalous sins. Do you know that? He'll use lust if he needs to. But he's just as happy to use pride, impatience, depression, and arrogance, and greed. Part of being in the battle is understanding your enemy's battle plan. And I just want to tell you this morning, if you're one of the people who doesn't give a thought to the enemy or his plan, wake up. See, part of the sanctification in your life is that God, this is a Joseph uh, moment here. What the devil intends for evil, God will turn to good. Temptation is an opportunity for sanctification. Understand the devil's schemes against you. 
And what, this is what you will find. You will see those patterns in your own life. You'll see some temptation before the coal actually lights. And we're going to get to the armor in a minute. But I'm just, I'm just wanting to tell you about the enemy. Tell you about how he works. So, know your enemy and know his schemes. This is how we begin to resist and fight against the schemes of the devil. Now, the armor that God provides. Listen, this is God's armor. Every piece of this armor God has given to us. It's not something we have to muster. It's not something we have to uh, build ourselves. These are all gifts of God. Let's look at, look, let's look at these one at a time and, and, and fairly quickly. The belt of truth. Friends, the belt of truth is the foundation of all the, all the rest of the armor. And, and commentators will say that maybe Paul was thinking about the Roman guard that he'd been chained to for a couple of years when he wrote this, looking at the armor day in and day out. Maybe that's where he got this imagery. But this belt, it, it's not like an accessory. Right? I mean, I remember in like eighth or ninth grade, I came to school and a friend in my class, she said, you know you're not supposed to wear a brown belt with black shoes, don't you? I was like, no. <laughs> well, don't do that again. She was looking out for me. Now I just wear untucked shirts. You have no, I might be wearing a black belt right now. You have no idea. This belt of truth is not an accessory. It was the absolute foundation of the armor. It, it fastened around, it had these large leather, uh, almost like a slip, is how one pastor described it. it it's, it's this very significant protective gear that the sword would hang from and other tools of battle as well. The belt of truth, it's, it's the foundation. And here's why. It's the opposite of falsehood. And what did I say the devil's main scheming tactic is? He's going to lie to you. Right? He's going to lie. So the belt of truth is the foundation of all the rest of the armor. What lies are you hiding right now? Allow me to dig. Allow me to pry. Allow me to press. Where is the deception in your life? We all have it. From little white lies to tax evasion. So, there is something in your life that's deceitful and you're hiding it. You're working with the enemy. He's handed you the tool of deceitfulness and you're using it on yourself. Right? The belt of truth. Let truth so engulf you that when you see deceitfulness in your own life, you eradicate it. The belt of truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. To wear the belt of truth is to hold the truth of Jesus. To hold the truth that is Jesus close to you at all times. And then Paul says, the breastplate of righteousness. A breastplate would have covered the vital organs from attack. And commentators disagree and argue and and converse is this Christ's righteousness or our righteousness that we're putting on what is this breastplate made of I'll tell you where I stand my breastplate of righteousness looks like it's had a 10 gauge shotgun shot at it there's holes all in it 
My righteousness does not protect my vital organs very well. I think that this is um, in some sense both, but primarily Christ's righteousness. Put on Christ's righteousness. See Christ and let his life of perfect righteousness begin to change the way your life looks. Protect yourself with his righteousness. Also a gift from God that we've seen in Ephesians. Gospel shoes. Put on as shoes for your feet the gospel of peace that gives readiness. What in the world does that mean? Is anybody sitting here thinking, I don't have any idea what that means. Well, this is a hard one. But I think we can look at this from two, two different angles. First of all, to be ready for battle is to have your shoes on, right? Has anybody ever come to your house at night and knocked on the door and, you know, maybe even woken you up? Maybe you're wearing pants, maybe you aren't, but you certainly don't have shoes on, right? And it's, you're fumbling in the dark, I've got to find some shoes, no, it's raining, those slippers aren't going to do. Listen, if you're going to be ready for battle, have your shoes on. So, the gospel itself is the readiness. The gospel itself is the readiness for battle. It's the gospel of peace that, I mean, it gives us, it gives us courage for battle. It's the gospel itself that Christ has done all for us that, that gives us the courage to engage this battle. The readiness, have, be ready to do battle by having on the gospel. The gospel gives the readiness. And the shield of faith. Take up the shield of faith. One preacher told this story this week. He said, when Jesus and the disciples were in the boat and the storm was raging and they're like, don't you care that we die? Jesus says, where's your faith? Finally, when he wakes up. He doesn't say, why is your faith so weak in this situation? He says, where is it? Where's your faith? Like, why are you going into battle without your armor? And I think, I, I thought of my kids and our math homework. Listen, math homework is battle. We all know this. And my children know that there's a rule in our, in our household. Eric does not do math homework until three, th th three pieces of armor. A solid surface to write on, four. Scratch paper, a calculator, and pencils. Don't come at me with a marker and say we're going to do math homework. Right? Am I telling the truth, kids? Yes. A hard surface, really, and a textbook. I, I added that one later when that disappeared. You can't go into the battle of math homework without the tools of engagement. The shield of faith. When Jesus says, where's your shield? Why are you out here in this boat as we're doing battle with the forces of evil as I am bringing the gospel to the world and pushing back the kingdom of darkness? Why are you out here without your armor on? We, there's no situation in your life where the fa your faith in Jesus Christ is not a primary piece of armor. Fan into flame this gift of faith. Grow in it. Have your shield with you.
I'm moving quick. Helmet of salvation. I think that the attack of Satan that's on the accusatory side is where this comes into play. When God says, when the devil says, he will not love you, he will not forgive you, you cannot recover from this. Remember the salvation that God has wrought in your life. All through Ephesians, we've been talking about it. God has given us faith. God has wrought our salvation. It's Christ's righteousness that we live in. All of these these pieces of armor are all gifts of God. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Is there some distinction between the sword of the Spirit and the belt of truth? They've got to be connected, right? I mean, one is hanging on the other. I don't know why Paul distinguished between the two, but I'm thinking of the belt of truth as truthfulness itself, ontologically out there, this idea of truth, and now the sword of the Spirit, the revealed will, the special revelation of God. Did you notice that of all the armor, it's the only one that's an offensive piece of armor? I mean, assuming that headbutts were not big in ancient warfare, you could... Maybe put the the helmet in there. The sword of the spirit. It's the only offensive weapon we have. Friends, to put on the full armor of God is to put on Christ. You may say, that's a strange phrase. And, And it is. It's a strange phrase, it's a strange concept, but it's biblical. Paul uses it in a slightly different context in Romans, but he says, put on Christ. Friends, we must clothe ourselves in the person, the work, the truth, the salvation, and the protection of Jesus Christ. Did you know that apart from putting on Christ, there is no defense against the devil and his schemes? None. Willpower won't get it done. You're probably not going to slip through the cracks. Maybe he's too busy for you. Listen, warfare is waged against the enemy in Jesus Christ. And I know that's true because look back at verse 10. It's the first thing that Paul says. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. All these are gifts from God. And they're God's armor. Um, we have time, so I'm going to ask you to turn to Isaiah 59 to look at a passage that I had not noticed until this week. I'll give you a, a second to get there as we think about how exactly is the armor of God God's armor. In Isaiah 59, God had looked down and he had seen no justice among his people. Starting in verse 14, justice is turned back and righteousness stands far away for truth has stumbled in the public squares and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. You can run from evil, but without the right armor, not going to do you any good. 
The Lord saw it, and it displeased him, this injustice. There was no justice. He saw there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head, and he put on garments of vengeance for clothing. Guys, it's not just God's armor because he provides it. It's the armor God himself takes up. And in Jesus' greatest act of battle against Satan up to this point, do you know what he did? He took his armor off, didn't he? He became totally and utterly exposed on the cross. He knew where the armor was. He knew how he could protect himself. But he laid down all of his armor and he exposed himself that we might be saved. This is amazing. And so what do we do with this? Is... is Spiritual warfare is putting on the armor of God, is resisting the devil. Is all this just for us? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You know, um, last year, one of the young men in our church said, it just seems kind of like being a Christian is boring compared to what everybody else is doing. There's, There's so much I can't do. There's so much I have to say no to. It can be lonely at times when everybody else is doing this and, I, and I'm not doing it. Friends, the Christian life is not boring. It's a battle. And if you think it's boring, and if you think you're not in a battle, guess what? The devil is using your apathy to lull you to sleep. <laughs> when Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations... Those are marching orders for a battle. And there's a spiritual element fighting against it. When we stood together and read the scripture this morning, out loud, stand therefore, that was a declaration of war against the enemy. When we sang Martin Luther's great hymn, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, we were doing battle When Don McSween stood at this microphone and prayed intercessory prayer, he was doing battle. You can never outgrow the the, the battle. It doesn't matter if you're, you're three or 93. There is still work for you to do in this war. So when you look at the people in your lives... Maybe some are are picketing uh, at Supreme Court justices' homes. Maybe others are um, stealing and oppressing the poor. Listen, justice is important in this world, but there is something going on behind all of the stuff that we see. It'll change the way you look at people. It'll change the way you look and, and who you say is your enemy, right? Are we ready with the gospel of peace to do battle? And what is our only offensive weapon? 
the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. We do not fight with swords and missiles. The kingdom comes through the spreading of the gospel. We have great, 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 the greatest news. And there are so many enchanted by their enemy who need to hear it. So put on your armor. Actively engage in this battle. Um, Here are the verbs. I'll close with this. Here are the verbs from our passage. Be strong. Put on. Be able to stand. Wrestle. Take up. Be able to withstand. Do all. Stand firm. Stand. Having fastened on. Having put on. Put on. Take up. Extinguish. Stand. Ready for battle. And the Lord himself will go before us as we do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning that you are a warrior God and that to conquer us, you took off your armor and you went to the cross. You paid the price for our sin. You have given us new life. And even now as the enemy fans oxygen onto the coals of our sin nature, as you sanctify us, as you teach us to take up armor and fight against the schemes of the devil, you will one day finish what you've started in us. And we proclaim with Paul that he believed that the Lord would finish what he had started at the day of Christ Jesus, that he would bring it to completion. Father, in us, we pray that you would teach us to fight in the strength of your might with the armor that you give with a readiness of the gospel of peace and lord let us do battle not only for our own benefit for the benefit of our church but let us proclaim the gospel in a way that your holy spirit would release the enchantment of the evil one on our neighbors that they would see the glory and the love and the faithfulness of the god we serve we pray in jesus name amen